I'm all about that fuss-free glam. Give me makeup that's versatile and feels like air on my skin and has ingredients that love my face, that's good for my face. You know, clean ingredients. And don't even get me started on mascaras because I do want them bold and lengthening. <laughs> and so we have Thrive Cosmetics, which I've been using since 2020, obviously because I appreciate their foolproof products that make it really easy to apply for any skill level. And they have a full line of makeup to refresh your everyday look, but also they give back. Every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive. Hence why it's Thrive Cosmetics, C a u s e medics thrive cosmetics and bigger than beauty skincare are not just makeup brands they're a whole vibe they're all about empowering us to rock our confidence and when you support them we are helping other communities thrive their stuff is not only easy to use but no nasties zero parabens sulfites phthalates they are 100 vegan and cruelty free let's talk lashes thanks to thrive's liquid lash extensions i must say that my lashes are just so beautiful and lush it adds lengths there are no clumps and also guess what it slides right off with warm water so no raccoon eyes here and i appreciate they have nourishing ingredients that support longer stronger and healthier looking lashes over time and it's a unique formula they use that creates these tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. We've had problems in the past with the link, but the link does work now. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com magic. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash magic for 10% off your first order. As someone who is so excited to garden this spring, yet really wants top quality soil, I'm really excited to introduce you to Coast of Maine, which is an esteemed brand renowned for its organic soil offerings. And if you're seeking to infuse your home environment with a nourishing essence that promotes flourishing plant life, you're going to want to listen to this because with over 28 years of expertise, Coast of Maine has meticulously crafted soils sourced from oceanic waters and farms certified for organic cultivation. It's so nice to find such a sustainable sustainable, eco-friendly brand who really emphasizes the importance of natural ingredients to enrich their soil. And I mean, they have, like I said, top quality with rigorous quality control and OMRI listed certification. Their diverse range of products caters to all gardening needs. Most of our soils may lack appropriate nutrients for success for our plants and our plants need this. We want to regenerate the healthy microbes in our soils to set up for gardening success and just for our plants to thrive. So if we add Coast of Maine products, this will indeed help. Whether you're planting trees or shrubs or perennials in your yard, adding Coast of Maine soil in your planting holes leads to a long, slow feeding of your plants, making them self-sufficient and vibrant, which we love. Let's say you want a vegetable garden, 
Not only will you receive abundant harvest, but there will be less feeding and maintenance throughout the season. Amazing. You know that everything grown in Coast of Maine soil is organic and safe for your family and friends right out of the garden. And then you get to also feel good about their sourcing as I'm so thankful they provide natural ingredients because they will never include household waste or biosolids. And we know that nothing nurtures the world above better than the soil below, cultivated from products and practices rooted in coast of Maine. And so they will continually perfect the art and science of sourcing, mixing, and composting products worthy of the people and the place that inspired their brand and the healthier world it was built to serve. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers. We love supporting local and the products are carried by local retail partners who can provide advice and insight not found in big box stores. So Coast of Maine knows from beginner to expert, anyone who takes a hand to the land has something to offer the growing community of gardeners everywhere. And their products make organic gardening simple and approachable so we can all garden. So let's get to growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you. That's Coast of Maine, like the state with an E, Coast of dot so healthy fear is healthy right it's set up to protect us um it's our intuition it's our gut it's you know, we're all armed with powerful intuitive forces and those should always be heated. So for instance, if you're hiking and you're a little bit too close to a high cliff at the ledge, it's that feeling that you have that tells you to step back, right? Your stomach, mm, or yeah. let's say you're about to get into an elevator and there's somebody already in there and it doesn't, you don't feel safe to go in. Whenever you get that feeling, respect it. It's there to protect you. Now let the magic begin. Hello, Soul Tribe. It's Raquel. And though I'm recording this weeks before it releases, let's just assume, let's manifest my future, which is your present, <laughs> that I am doing so well at the ashram, healing in so many ways, having so many revelations and insights and, and beautiful moments with divine guidance, and just simply living at peace and at ease and sending all the love to you. And let's manifest all of that for you right now too. <laughs> now today's guest, Monica Berg. This woman with a capital W spends many of her days not in an ashram, but in a Kabbalah center for her to really connect with the divine. And in fact, she is the chief communications officer at the Kabbalah Center. But don't worry, don't worry if you are not familiar with the teachings of Kabbalah. Monica will give you a glimpse as to what in the world Kabbalah is. I mean, I needed to know. So instead, I'll just give you a glimpse of the soul and the being that is Monica. She is a fearless woman, again, with a capital W a self-professed change junkie, 
and one who leads people to shift their perspectives on accepting and seeing the light and changing to be excited about change as change is constant. Change is always promised. She is the author of Fear is Not an Option, which we talk a little bit about on this podcast. And I'm just really excited for you to hear the golden nuggets of wisdom, as always, that this guest, Monica, brings you and gifts us, especially for those of us who may be living in fear or or may feel a little held back in many areas in our life. So this episode is for you. It's for all. And it's also brought to you by Skillshare, which is gifting the Soul Tribe two months for free to access over 25,000 courses when you go to Skillshare.com forward slash your own magic. If you're interested in writing, I take their writing courses or poetry or even photography, any kind of design like graphic or character or interior or illustration, editing, business creation, social media marketing, health and wellness courses, yada yada, over 25,000 courses for you that you can try for free when you go to skillshare.com forward slash your own magic. So why not enhance some skill of yours or acquire a new skill? That's skillshare.com forward slash your own magic. I know we are approaching a full moon, I believe on the 20th. So this is just a short little poem. For me, full moons and new moons always get me excited about the path that I'm on. And if I deviate a wee bit from my path for whatever reason, it's Mama Moon who takes up great space in the sky that shines down on me, especially obviously the full moon because you can see her, but the new moon is always a reminder for a new beginning. But for this full moon, I do have my practice that I shared on the yourownmagic.life soul tribe exclusive site. And for those who might be feeling uninspired in moments, just look up at this full moon and trust that she'll send something your way. Even if it seems minuscule, in the long run, it will probably be so profound. So this is just a short little poem. She prays under the moonlight. With a thankful heart, she's here. Even if this path she walks upon doesn't feel quite right, the beams illuminate her heart to see the shift within is near. So just remember, between this full moon and next full moon, if you do feel uninspired in some way, just trust that something will come. Something will be illuminated within you if you just pray. That last little sentence was not a part of the poem, but maybe it should be. And now I believe it is time to let the magic begin with Monica Berg. You, I know, live a very interesting life because obviously, well, one, it's such an honor to have you. And thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah. Plus, you've inspired me to visit your Kabbalah Center someday. We have many locations around the world. And because you travel so much, you can just choose any which one. <laughs> Is there one in Utah? <laughs> Not yet. No. Um, Not yet. But we have um, in uh, California, Los Angeles, Las Vegas three in New York, um, London, Florida, we're all over. 
You know what? I think I passed by the one in London. Wait, that's oh, really? so cool. Yeah. Is it newer or is it old? Uh, no, we've been there for a while, at least a decade. No. Oh. Well, by the way, I started the recording. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> and so I like to begin every podcast asking this question. What excites you and lights up your soul most in life right now? Now and for a very long time, it's been helping people and inspiring them to live their most fulfilled, happy, passionate life. And I think that far too often people settle into just a routine or good enough or what I call the almost where, you know, life's good. It's not bad. Nothing to complain about, but we're destined for so much more. So I really get excited about connecting that for people and helping them start their path to a great, amazing life. Ooh, the almost. I know so many people living in the almost where, yeah, like you said, life isn't bad. They have a roof over their head. Their head. They have a job, which, you know, they're settled with, but they're not really living that true passion and changing their life, which I am excited to talk all about change today and so much more. I also love to hear about your journey and what led you to where you are today and why you devote your life to Kabbalah and writing and embracing your inner change junkie nature. Well, it's interesting. There's so many chapters um, on that journey. And I, I remember, you know, a lot of people that I speak to, you know, I get this question or variations of it. Um, were you always interested in spirituality? How old were you when you started to seek that path? And the truth is, I mean, I remember from age three and four having tea parties with God. I remember sitting in my room <laughs> and really feeling safe and secure and grounded. And when I'd leave that world and I'd go in my house and look at members of my family, I remember just like always walking around thinking, I don't really belong here. Like nobody makes sense. Nobody has answers. What's it all about? So from a very young age, I had that gnawing kind of feeling of, you know, there has to be something bigger than this. And um, and so I, I just, I always felt somewhat of a lack. And I discovered Kabbalah when I was 17. And, uh, and it was the first time it made sense. You know, why are we here? There has to be something more than chasing the things that I saw. I went to Beverly Hills High School, you know, a lot of wealth. Um, people searching for the best school, then to get, get the best car, and then the best house, and then the family. And I kept thinking, this can't be it. And if this is everything, I'm pretty much done. I really felt very strongly in that way. And then life happens. And um, and even when I was studying, you know, I developed an eating disorder. It's not like nothing bad per se will ever happen. Life happens. But I then had the tools to understand the meaning and the purpose behind them. But I think ultimately, when I became, as they call it, a change junkie, my life changed in profound ways. Um, when I had my second son, I have four children. My second son was born with Down syndrome, and I found out a few hours after he was born. And that really shook my very being. And it made me rethink everything I thought I knew and question um, my beliefs, my values, you know, my belief systems. And, and even though you can be on a spiritual journey, you'd be surprised what you pick up along the way, how you're influenced by other people, what you think that you know, and it turned everything upside down in the best way. And then I rechose a lot of the same things, but understood it from a different perspective. Wow. And your son, I've heard you talk so much about him and that you say that he's not only gifted you, he's not only gifted you greater empathy, but also 
many insightful life lessons in this incarnation and an opportunity for greater love and expansion. But you say that he reshaped your belief system today. So how did he reshape your belief system? And what are some lessons that you've learned from him that have helped you along your path? Well, he's still teaching me um, every step of the way. (laughs) Every day. Yeah. You know, when he came into the world, again, it was a shock to me. And so there's first that feeling of when you have a picture of how something will be there and it doesn't turn out like that, there is that time of loss. And I think everybody should give themselves that. I thought that I was growing a healthy child in every way inside of me. And I had a vision of what my life would look like. And Um, And then when I understood his diagnosis, it terrified me, quite honestly. And um, I was worried if I would be able to raise a child with such a disability. Would I understand him? Could I love him as completely as I did my first child? Um, How would it impact the rest of our lives? And, And also I was met with crushing shame, like somehow my body failed me or I deserve this. And those kinds of negative thoughts, that's when it shed light on the beliefs that I had. And I thought, wait a second, you've been studying Kabbalah now at that point for 15 years. Is this really how evolved you are? Like, you, you know, is this really what you believe about yourself? Is this really what you think? Is this how much you love yourself or don't love yourself? So it made me take pause and say, okay, this isn't enough. It's not good enough. Where I'm at is is so small compared to what I could be or who I could become. So it was the first time I was able to open my eyes because you can live, again, a, a, a life where you're even spiritual, right? And you're practicing different modalities every day and you're doing your best to be a sharing person. But unless you also make sure that body, mind, and spirit are all equally aligned, you can find yourself in this situation. And then when things happen in life that you didn't expect, it really makes you fall in such a big way. So that was the big, he was the biggest gift in that sense where (laughs) he made me um, stop everything and become the person that I was destined to become and continue in that way and to never stop and say, okay, I've arrived or, you know, this is who I am now forever changing. Right. That is so big. Now I've arrived and see people might look at, your past life and it's so easy to make a quick judgment like oh it's vanilla she went to beverly hills high school but then when people that come from that background well one we don't know your full story of your childhood and everybody has trauma that they carry so making that assumption is is very silly especially when you recognize the fact that from that place like how you had, how you decided to evolve at 17, like you were so wise to go seek out something that is going to align your body, mind, and spirit. And then of course, challenges along the way when you're on your spiritual journey, including having your son, which actually ended up being the greatest blessing. But, but that's because you have a certain perspective. You change your perspective or shifted your perspective for the better to see the light in it, which really is the light and the truth in it. So I really, really applaud you for that. That's so beautiful. Thank you. I mean, I also really don't believe that we are meant to suffer. I don't believe in that concept, right? So, you know, when we get upset about things that happen in life and we think that it's not what has happened, it's our feelings around it, right? So it wasn't that I had a child with Down syndrome, it was how I felt about it. And that's where my free will and my choice came in, right? I had a choice in that moment. I can choose to be a victim and see all the things that he might not ever be, or I can stop and say, okay, who can he be and who can I become in this process. (laughs) And that was the pivotal shift for me, but not everybody does that. And that's why I'm so passionate again to your first question about doing this work, because again, things in life will happen that we didn't expect that we didn't want, 
but there's such a gift in every single experience that we have. Every single one. And to know that life is happening for you. I mean, in that moment, it's really hard to see, especially when you're so emotionally invested and you might have an opaque mind because the emotions are so evolved and you feel so, you almost put your, you can easily shift into this victim uh, mindset. But when you can really transform out of that because it's so interesting when we look at all the bad things, quote unquote, bad things, not really, but bad things that have happened to us or challenges that we faced in our past. We're like, whoa, that was beautiful because it made me this beautiful butterfly I am today. And I love that. I love that you're sharing this with the world. And I love the term change junkie, by the way, which is a great term for those who are living in sadness or living in what you called the almost, which again is brilliant. So what is a change junkie and how can we ourselves not only open our eyes to change, but get excited about changing for the better too? Well, I have to say, you know, again, a a big principle of Kabbalah is all, it's a verb. It's all about change. It's all about transformation. And it's about leaving this world profoundly different than how you came into it. And obviously a more evolved version of yourself. Um, you know, we often teach that you you leave with, you know, what you've come into the world with. You came in with just your soul and you leave with your soul. So it's about really investing in that and your potential and your purpose and in, in the greatness of what you can be. Um, you know, our soul is like a seed. And unless you nurture it or you plant it, you water it, it's not going to grow into its potential, which could be an oak tree, right? So that's really how I look at myself and my evolution. Now, in order to do that, you have to be willing to change. For a seed to become an oak tree, tremendous change and growth happens for that to, for that to actualize, right? So that's my approach with life. But when I came into the world, you know, I'm a Virgo, very type A. I love, you know, a daily planner. I love a pencil with an eraser. I mean, I plan months out. I plan my workouts. And I find great comfort in that, I will tell you. However, I don't take any of that too seriously. You equally want to be flexible to change. If it doesn't go your way, trust that there's a better way, that the universe has the best intention for you and be open in that way. So And once you start to look at life that way, you become addicted to that because that's where true freedom is and that's where happiness really lives. You will be fully happy by living this kind of formula versus collecting things and deriving, which again, that is the feedback we get growing up. You know, if you do X, Y, and Z, then you're going to have a good, happy life. And then you see people who have checked all those boxes and they're miserable. Why? (laughs) They stopped asking fundamental questions. What is it that... I desire from a soul level, what is my purpose? What is it that I really feel I can do for the world that I have uniquely come into this world to do? Mm. And I realize for those listening uh, that might be scratching their heads because we keep bringing up Kabbalah. They're like, what is Kabbalah? What even is that? You know, they might've heard it in passing, but may you expand on what Kabbalah is and how old it is and also what attracts people to Kabbalah. So Kabbalah is an ancient wisdom that explains the complexities of our material and our non-material world, um, right? There's the 1% reality, 99% reality. There's the five senses, what we hear, see, smell, taste, touch. And we take that very seriously because it's something that's tangible versus, you know, all of the other things that we can't see, but we rely on, like the fact that you and I can, you know, be, you're in Utah and I'm in New York City and here we are speaking and there's different things that are happening to make that possible, right? So it explains how all of that works. Um, And for thousands of years, Kabbalists have taught that every human being is born with the potential for greatness. 
And Kabbalah is a remarkably effective means for activating that potential. Um, and I think that that's, you know, you asked why people will come and study it. I think it's those searching for more, more of whatever you want to check out, more love, more happiness, more wealth, even um, more fulfillment and, and meaning. Um, and I think that, you know, honestly, Kabbalah is more relevant now than it ever has been because we're living in a time where people are becoming conscious about everything. I mean, people are more conscious today about the food that we eat to the words that come out of our mouths. And I think we're starting to understand what Kabbalists have been teaching for millennia. And that is that the energy we put out into the world and the consciousness we, um, find in the challenges dictates our life experiences. And that's, that's the formula right there. Isn't it amazing that these old ancient texts and the old ancient wisdom are really coming back to surface today for our healing because our world really needs it so much, but we've known it all along. And that's why I really, really appreciate teachings like Kabbalah and those who dedicate their life to teachings like it, like you. And also, what is the Kabbalah Center like? Um, the Kabbalah Center was founded actually by um, Robin Karenberg, my husband's parents. Oh, yeah. He wrote a book on it a long time ago, like 20 years ago as well, right? Yeah. He's he's written a few books and um, his mm. parents have. And they started this in their living room, actually. Wow. And now it's become a worldwide organization all over the world. So what healings may we experience if we visit the center or what have you witnessed? Well, it's interesting. You know, I, I think that in anything, like anything in life, what you hope to to take from it is where, what you're going to get, right? So some people come to the Kabbalah Center and they just want to study Kabbalah as, you know, a science or as an intellectual um, understanding. Other people completely just feel the energy and connect in that way. Other people come for a sense of community and being with like-minded people who are curious about change. So I think your experience will be whatever you're seeking it to be. I'm also really interested in Kabbalah's teachings on reincarnation. (laughs) I'm fascinated with reincarnation. And there's something about five different levels. So what do those levels represent? And what can we be reincarnated into? Like, can we become animals or rocks? <laughs> How deep is your audience? This is like deep, deep. Oh, they're deep. Oh, it's it's never surface level. Yeah, there are five levels of soul um, that connect to different aspects like thought, speech, um, and based on how you act and what you tap into is what your reality looks like. To... And yes, we can reincarnate into many things. People sometimes reincarnate lower, right? And others, hopefully the goal is, and that's why we're teaching this wisdom, is that you will learn these things and it will inspire you to act with more kindness, um, with more human dignity. There's a concept called transformative sharing. So it's not just enough to be a being of sharing, but transformative sharing is when you share in a way that's so uncomfortable that some kind of internal change occurs. So for instance, if I'm a millionaire, and you know, I give $100,000 as charity, is that a sharing action? Absolutely. Will that help elevate me in some way? Absolutely. Was that hard for me? Was that a stretch? No. Would I get more growth from, let's say, volunteering 30 hours of my time in one week when that's really uncomfortable for me? Absolutely. So it's those kinds of concepts that um, you would learn. And of course, then that would elevate you to higher, higher levels of consciousness. And then in the next lifetime, you come back in in a higher way versus if people act in ways that just gratify their ego or their desire to receive for the self alone, or let's say they take it a step further and they actually hurt other people either through um, 
you know, character assassination or murder or anything else, of course, the levels of the soul is damaged and then it goes lower. But a soul is always pure and perfect. It's just that through our actions, we're either revealing more more of it in the positive way or adding on shells and layers to it that conceal its beauty. Mm, Wow. So would a rock be considered? Because rocks to me feel so wise and like they've never left this earth. (laughs) And they also feel so pure. And so would that be considered a lower level if someone were to pass and be a rock? It's not that a rock per se is is positive or negative. It's that if a soul is put, is stuck, let's say in an object. So let's say a soul can't speak or have free will or movement or desire. That's my version of hell, right? So that would be, so it's not about the rock, right? It's about the soul. And, um, and, and that's the cycle. Yum. Tonight I'll be sitting down with my already prepped ingredients for tonight's vegan dinner made by my sous chef, Green Chef. <laughs> Green Chef has a variety of USDA certified ingredients with their meals, which is, of course, going to be tonight's dinner. Not only healthier and tasty, but easy and affordable. So obviously for me, Green Chef has many different plans that include vegan, of course, and they've got paleo, vegetarian, pescatarian, Mediterranean, heart smart, lean and clean, keto, gluten-free, omnivore, and so vegan for me, please. But choose whatever you want for you. When your meals are delivered to your door, you will see every ingredient is pre-measured perfectly portioned and mostly prepped. So convenient. Thank you, Green Chef. (laughs) People joke that I pretty much like to live at all the natural grocery stores. So this will be not only time-saving for me, but also save me lots of money and also open my eyes to new vegan recipes, which I'm really most excited about and that I can share with my family and at the same time seem like a sous chef. Plus, I know their ingredients are ingredients that I can trust. And people know that I'm an ingredient detective. When I look at labels, I don't really ever look at the calories and the carbs or whatever. I always look at the ingredients. And their ingredients are seasonally sourced for peak freshness. So let's just say they're cauliflower power bowl with quinoa, kale, cranberries, and an herb, a delicious, you'll die for herb tahini sauce. So good, along with their unstuffed mole enchiladas that have sweet potato and roasted peppers and a jicama slaw. Yes, please. Some of their customers' favorites include their vegan crab cakes and pesto pasta primavera. So go to greenchef.us, that's G-R-E-E-N-C-H-E-F dot U-S forward slash magic and get $50 off your first order. That's greenchef.us slash magic for $50 off your first box of Green Chef. Bon appétit. I would like to shift gears to, I don't know if you happen to have your manifesto in front of you, and if you're not, I have it in front of me, and I can read it. <laughs> yes, I have it. I have it. It's- oh, amazing. Do you mind reading your five pieces of wisdom for everyone? Sure. The first one is, change is necessary to become your better self. Mm-hmm. 
Two, the more you know who you are, what you love, what you hate, what excites you, what drives you, the closer you are to achieving what you want. Truth. Three, be spiritually hungry. Yearn for something more, deeper, richer, lasting. No matter how great your life is, there's always another level and something new to discover. Mm-hmm. Four, continue always to celebrate who you are, where you are in your journey. Live life with joy, do what you love, and success will follow. And five, change requires action, urgent and immediate every day. Urgent. (laughs) So wise, so true. Well, if you recognize something that you want to change and you just think about it or you talk about it and you don't put it into action right away, it will escape you. Something else will get your attention. It won't seem quite as important as it did when you thought about it. You'll think, oh, okay, I'll do it next week. There's, you know, this other thing I have to take care of. Once you realize that there's something that's making you unhappy or there's something about yourself that you want to elevate or change, follow it up by immediate action. And that's that's really like the shortcut to change. Have you ever read Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert as well? Mm-mm. Okay. Well, she also talks about those inspirations of thought and that you should follow that action and write it out or take that action. Because if you don't, then it's going to flow on to someone else. And you might see that piece that you thought of created by someone else, which will also be beautiful. It's so interesting to think. I've been there way too many times when I don't take that action. I still hold on to the idea that I want to create this, but I haven't done it yet. And also, you know, you can lose desire even if you don't want to. Mm. Um it's the same thing. Like if you're going to go to the gym, right. And you have a big desire and really strong and that's it. I'm, and then you don't do it. Is your desire as strong the next day or the week after? Not necessarily. So it's so important while you really feel something. I mean, I'm always writing. I have lots of different books I'm coming out with and I don't ever wait till the book I'm writing to finish to start the next one. Because if I have an idea or I'm inspired, I have to write it down immediately. Or I know I understand that far too well. I don't take it for granted. Uh, let's talk about your book that's out. Yeah. <laughs> what inspired Fear is Not an Option? And why did you write this for our souls? So I meet with many people. Um, and there were two themes that kept coming up repeatedly where they felt, you know, a lot of their unhappiness was coming from. So one was Relationships, which is my second book. It's called Rethink Love. And, um, you know, relationships are amazing and they make you happy until they're not. And they might make you miserable. And the other was fear. Um, And it kept coming up where, you know, it was stopping people from pursuing their goals, from even dreaming. You know, they had fear of rejection and fear of of so many things. And I thought, you know, this isn't something that people have to live with. I was actually giving a lecture in London on this topic and we were hopelessly lost in an Uber. And uh, this woman was on the radio speaking about fear, which then my ears perked up and she was saying like, oh, you know, this is how you can learn to cope with your fear or live with your fear. And I thought, oh my God, this is all wrong. You know, and then the the callers call in and they're like, yeah, I'm learning to live with it. And it just was so depressing for me to hear. I'm like, no, you want to eradicate your fears. So I just felt really compelled and inspired to get that out and break it down with tools and tips. And and I identify that there's three different types of fear to make it really, because I think we, we hear fear and what happens, it becomes huge and we get scared and we freeze and we just, I don't want to think about fear. I want to run away from fear. But if you look it in the eye, actually, it's really not, it's, it's manageable. You just, you, you can eradicate fear from your lives where you're the driver's seat and the fear no longer is. Ooh, without giving away your book, will you tell us one type of fear? Well, I'm going to tell you three because I'll do it really quickly and and I won't give my book away. There's three types that I identify. There's 
healthy, real, and illogical. So healthy fear is healthy, right? It's set up to protect us. Um, it's our intuition. It's our gut. It's, you know, we're all armed with powerful intuitive forces and those should always be heated. So for instance, if you're hiking and you're a little bit too close to a high cliff at the ledge, it's that feeling that you have that tells you to step back, right? Your stomach, mm, or yeah. let's say you're about to get into an elevator and there's somebody already in there and it doesn't, you don't feel safe to go in, but you don't want to be rude. So, you know, often we'll choose to like do something against what we're oh, feeling. Yes, yeah. Whenever you get that feeling, respect it. It's there to protect you. Yeah. Um, and one of my favorite uh, stories, it's so funny because now I don't know if you've heard about it, but the Ted Bundy interviews. Ted Bundy's a rock. the funny thing is i put it in my book and then a year later these interviews are out and the same woman i speak about was actually interviewed in the interviews like her name's carol duranch and she she was actually um lived in murray hill utah and she was approached by a police officer and he said oh you know your car's been broken into and we've apprehended him. And, you know, I want you to come with me to the station to see if these items, you know, some of the items he took are yours. And she got that feeling, that feeling, the healthy fear that we're talking about. And she said, okay, you know, can I see your badge? So he did, he took out a badge, he showed her. And even though it didn't feel right, she decided to go along with him. She gets in the car and uh, they start driving and she notices they're going in the wrong direction away from the police station. So she starts to confront him and he tries to handcuff her to the steering wheel. She's able to escape because she was already prepared, right? Something felt wrong. And she's one of the only people to have ever escaped him, actually. And she discovered because weeks later she was looking in the newspaper and she saw that somebody was apprehended a few hours after her on that day. And she connected it that that could have been her. So healthy fear, it's there for our protection and survival. Then there's real fear. Wow. Yeah. By the way, being in Utah, one of my teachers, very similar story. So she was one of the only survivors. And I'm so, so in awe of how these women got away and listened to that healthy fear, that gut feeling. And I think that we should always take those lessons in because we do feel those from time to time. I'm sure you do living in New York. and Well, in New York, you know, when you walk down a street, if I feel uncomfortable, I'll stare the person in the eyes till they pass. Like you just, you get into this kind of like survival mode and you face Yeah. I'm not going to like rock faster and run. I mean, obviously if I was in danger, but um but absolutely. So respect that that feeling. Um, so then there's real, and that is based in reality, right? Fear of illness, of death, of um, old age, fear of public speaking. I mean, those are things that actually happen that, you know, are inevitable. So even with that real fear, you can spend time and energy worrying about those things possibly happening or when they'll happen and, you know, ruminating about it. Or you can use that as a motivator to spend time with the people you love, make sure you tell them that you love them when you're with them, have fun together. If you're worried about disease or sickness, then make sure you take care of your body, make good choices for yourself, sleep enough, eat well, exercise, right? So even with the real fear, we can use it as a motivator to become so much better. Then there's illogical fear, which has absolutely no place in our lives. And believe it or not, it occupies most of our attention. So that is fear of spiders, snakes, height, uh, failure, rejection. It basically paralyzes us. It brings nothing but worry and doubt into our everyday lives. And that needs to be completely, completely eradicated. 
So why are humans walking with this chronic illogical fear and what would the medicine be for it? Well, I think that, you know, it goes back to um, our ancestors. I mean, we used to live in in a world where we needed to survive like that, right? We lived in the wild. It was fight or flight. And you did need to look behind your your shoulder, make sure that there wasn't a tiger about to attack you. And basically, we're still hardwired like that. Um, So you're not crazy for feeling those things. There's a reason for it. But it's basically we're just running really old software. And this is where your free will and your strength comes in. I mean, this is the power of who we all are. We can choose what to give attention to and to give energy to. You can decide that fear is no longer going to be leading you. So what I do is... um, If something, you know, this is a tool in the book, if something comes up that scares you, you have to stop and ask yourself, what would I do if I wasn't afraid? And then go do that. That's where you want to put your energy into, not the, not the illogical thing that's coming up. We're human. And of course, being fearful, that's part of human emotions, but it doesn't have to take the lead anymore. That's entirely up to you. No, it does not take the wheel. Nope. It can take a back seat. It can protect you, especially the healthy fear, but definitely not taking the wheel. You know, there's, there's also... Three things you can ask yourself when fear comes up. So the first thing is, you know, ask why it's coming. You know, what is this fear? What, what can it tell me? Is it real? Is it, you can even put it in the three different categories that we discussed. The second part is let go and trust. Um, because again, back to something we spoke earlier, our strengths are, th- are shown to us through our challenges. And our challenges are really designed to reveal our fullest potential and to realize that and to actualize that. So don't be afraid if a challenge comes up or if you're afraid of something, really just look at it, embrace it and say, okay, I'm going to trust this is for my greatest good. And what is the opportunity here in this challenge? And if you look at anything that comes up in your life in that way, I guarantee you're going to see yourself through it. You don't have to medicate yourself. You don't have to go around it. You don't have to avoid it. You walk through it. And when you get to the other side, you're absolutely stronger because of it more evolved, more aware, and then you feel better in your body. Every time. Yeah, right? And then the last is you want to shift your consciousness and just tell yourself, demand to yourself, okay, we are all obedient to ourselves. You tell yourself that fear is not an option. You just don't give it power. And it's really that simple. (laughs) Oh, that should be tattooed. Fear is not an option. I do. I got temporary tattoos when I I published the book. Oh, yes. Temporary. Make those permanent. They need to be in there. (laughs) No, they're embedded in your mind and in your heart, which is way more powerful. There's something new, something free for you, free for two whole months when you go to Skillshare.com forward slash your own magic, a new URL to get two months for free with Skillshare. I'm so thankful for the sponsor and that they are continuing to gift us an even better deal. Like what? And it's because millions of students have been using Skillshare to expand their human self in many different skills. They have an array of skills to help us along our journey for a more abundant 2019. Skillshare has over 25,000 online courses now from creative courses like writing or poetry, photography, drawing, animated illustration, all kinds of illustration, video editing, other kinds of editing, probably podcast editing, 
culinary, and even ooh, tips for your business from social media marketing and freelance guidance, management, and so much more. Oh, I can't forget. I can't forget to mention also tech classes like gaming development or app development and lifestyle classes like health and wellness and language. Just an abundance of courses for free for two entire months Join me in their self-publishing class. That's the new one I'm taking, but I've taken their a couple of their creative writing courses and an entrepreneur course and a productivity one. Who knows? I'm also kind of curious about singing. I might try the singing course just too, since the universe knows that that is not my forte at all. It might not be a gift, but I can learn a new skill. Anyways, go to skillshare.com forward slash your own magic for your free two whole months. That's Skillshare.com forward slash your own magic. Well, you have a history I know with anorexia and body dysmorphia. You were talking about your eating disorders earlier and in those mindsets, you're just, you don't recognize that sometimes you don't recognize that you are in fear or living in fear of food. And sometimes you do, but a lot of the times you're just, you're not willing to change. I'm far too familiar with this and especially with body dysmorphia. And it, but at the same time, it's very difficult because it's, it's a mind game of the ego and it's very deceiving and it's very challenging to alter because you look in the mirror and you see something completely different. And that's something that's so hard to change and just, you know, tap into that inner change junkie and tap in to release that fear. But with these two challenges that you face, how were you able to change them and transform the fear? So with anorexia, um, I realized that that, for, yes, it's about control and it's control with what you eat. and But what it was, the fear behind it, and I think what really um, allowed it to come into fruition, you know, there's a lot of different factors that come about your environment, um, your home life, you know, many different things. And they're finding it's genetic now, but you need all of these kind of triggers, five different ones. But for me, I realized it was fear of the unknown it was so huge and so great. And really, that is all of our fear. Ultimately, it's not so much about, you know, a disease or this or whatever we've labeled it. At the end of the day, we are afraid of life, right? The undescribable things that happen, the unknowable things that happen that we never expected. So when I understood that, um, and I understood that this wasn't who I needed to be anymore, that I could find my voice, that I believe in greatness, that I believe that I'm deserving, that I have something to say and do in this world, I was able to get out of that mindset. Like even after I had Josh, you know, I was pregnant. And then after I had him, I went through such a hard time. I was a size zero basically in a month and a half. And I, everybody's like, she's anorexic again. And I said, you know, that girl doesn't live here anymore. Like that's never going to happen to me again ever because the person who felt that she needed to cope in that way just doesn't exist. And it's, it is mind over matter. I know very few people overcome anorexia. I'm aware of that, but it is doable. But again, it change like it's the belief system at your very core has to change. The person that got me into that, right. That allowed that to happen. I just, I'm not the same person anymore. So that will never be body dysmorphia is something else. Body dysmorphia. I don't, I, I honestly, I don't think it ever fully goes away. Um, I know that, you know, I feel very comfortable in my body. I feel very secure, but I can tell you when I look in the mirror versus when I look in the photograph, I see two different things, but I'm aware of that, right? So I don't buy into it. 
and I don't believe it and it doesn't affect me, but I'm aware that that's the reality for me. And that's just the way that's part of, of the residue of what happened, if you will. Um, and I think the big thing is, is that you get to choose what you take seriously and what you don't. You get to choose what you give energy to and what you don't and what you grow and what you don't. That is our power. So I choose to be powerful and, and not give in to that limitation. Wow. And you're also choosing yourself. You've had such a history of learning to relearn to really fully love yourself more deeply and unconditionally. And I think that is, that's how you transform fear is to transform it into love, especially for yourself. And so what's your advice for those who are suffering with this lack of love? They don't feel worthy enough. They don't feel deserving enough. How can we love ourselves more deeply and unconditionally? That's a great question. And um, it, it does start there. I think that when we feel lonely or we, we're going through a hard time or we feel sad, or, you know, especially, with, I mean, when I had anorexia, it was the saddest, most lonely time of my life. And I, I craved a relationship more than anything. I just wanted that. And I realized, though, that what I'm looking for, only I can give myself first. So I really invested in the most important, longest relationship I will ever have in my life. And that is first with where I've come from, with the creator, and second with myself. And I really nurtured that. How do you nurture a relationship with yourself? You take yourself seriously, not in the wrong ways, but in the right ways, right? It's not becoming conceited. It's becoming self-interested, having self-care. So if I had a thought, I didn't belittle myself. I didn't berate myself. If I made a mistake, I stopped and I became curious about myself. What is it that I am longing for? Why do I want that? I started to really, as I would my, my child self, I started to embrace myself with that kind of kindness. So you have to start there. It has to be with love. It has to be with nurturing. It has to be with kindness. And if you're not able to do that with in the mindset you are in today, imagine somebody else that you really love unconditionally, whether it's a child or a family member or a friend, how would you speak to them, right? It's, it's very often the dialogue that needs to change, the tone that needs to change. Um, and it needs to be, you know, the kindness needs to be brought in. So that's number one. I truly believe that when you talk to yourself, when you change how you talk to yourself, even if for a while it feels like it's fabricated, if it feels fake, it something does transform. It's the way we can reframe our reality in those moments and open our eyes to greater love for ourselves. That's truly, that was my tool. No, and that is really, um, that is where you start. I think the second thing is you also need to create an environment that is, equally nurturing, right? That is supportive. um, That doesn't make you question who you are, your beliefs, because that's another thing that happens a lot. People very often, you know, tell you all the things that you can't be or shouldn't be. And it's really coming from their own life. So as you change and you become kinder to yourself, make sure your environment mirrors that. Mm, And What's hard, though, sometimes is especially because some of my audience is very young, like the audience range is about 15 to 35. And, you know, they are living in a family environment at this time. They can't it's hard to really change their family environment, change their school environment. But they're awake enough to realize that where they are is not full of pure love. Their their surroundings isn't conscious or awake enough to see that, you know, everything's light and everything will be okay. And so they are going through a hard time spiritually, emotionally. And that's one reason why they listen to people like you and this podcast. And so what would you say if you were sitting in their shoes, which you might be familiar with, what would you say if you were sitting in their shoes for those that feel like they it's they can't change their environment right now for whatever reason? 
yet at the same time they really want to tap in spiritually even more deeply. Yes, but the thing is that you get to decide what you put value in and where you place your value and importance. Mm-hmm. And again, this is something that people need to grow into and decide to do. It's not something that's natural. We are conditioned to believe that, you know, you should trust the doctor because it's a doctor and they will know better for you than you do or a police officer because they're a police officer or, you know, the list is long. If we all think somebody else is the authority over us, it's a mistake. You have all the answers and they're all within. You won't be able to access them unless you are kind to yourself, unless you become a friend to yourself, but you have all the answers. Nobody knows better what's for you than you. So when something comes at you or to you and it doesn't feel right and it feels mean or hurtful or not authentic, trust that. It doesn't mean you have to write the person off. It doesn't mean that you even have to physically change your environment if you can't. It just means that you stop and you question. What was said doesn't feel right to me. And why is that? Do I believe what they're saying? More than that, do I believe that this person who placed all of these opinions on me is living the life that I want to live, right? I think it's just a matter of stopping and asking very important significant questions. And from there, you get to derive purpose and meaning from whatever you want. That's entirely up to you. And that's going to lead you to your next chapter and the chapter after that. Exactly. I have a feeling. I have an inkling of a feeling. You probably talk a little bit about that in Rethink Love. I could be wrong. Oh, so much. The first part of the book is all about the, it's, you know what? It's 66,780 words. Wow. <laughs> I can hear the passion in your voice. So I can only imagine what you're like behind the typewriter. Oh my God. It was because the, the first part is all about the relationship you have with yourself. And if, you know, and I said, it's the step that most people miss in life and it's never too late to go back there at any stage of your, of your life, of your relationship, of your marriage, of anything. You cannot you always need to go back there because that's everything. Um, And then the second part is, uh, so the first part's called me and the second part's going from me to we. It's how to maintain who you are and carry yourself and and what you believe while entering this relationship with someone else where you share a life and a bed and a home and a bank account and so many other things with. And then the last part is we and it's how to navigate successfully in a relationship. Ooh, yes. Oh my gosh. When do, you, do you know when that comes out? Rethink Love. I hope very soon. We're working on it. It's not, <laughs> um, I'm hoping in uh, in the spring of next year. Oh, wow. It's so interesting. Like even if you finish a book, let's say next month or in two months, it's so interesting the turnaround time, you want to, I, how long it takes to get I have out. a different word for you. Interesting wouldn't be it. It's so frustrating. <laughs> you know? Super frustrating, I'm sure. Like I teach, it's, you know, it's process and process is process and I trust it because ultimately it's the purpose. And even if I can't understand it, I know that there's a reason for it and there's something bigger. And I, I so trust that, that, you know, in my limited senses it does you know it's unfair it's not fast enough and i'm impatient but big picture you know it's fine when it does come out and it does kind of come out in a snap when you think back on it years from now it will just change everything in the best way i'm curious about your writing routine since i'm also writing a book and so what is your writing routine like and how do you eliminate the distractions because i need to know that uh again i don't think we can eliminate i mean Look, I have four children. I'm married. I I work out two hours a day. I also have a job at the Cabal's. Like I, it's just like very uh, juggling a lot of things. But I do I I do take time to write every single week. And when a book is taking even more form and shape, and it's really close, it becomes the priority, and everything else kind of you know takes a back seat. And then 
when something else is pressing, then the writing will take a backseat. I never stop. I think you should put energy into everything that you are passionate about and that you want to do and that you desire. I'm just also equally realistic that, you know, they can't all take equal amounts of time and energy from you. So again, it goes back to that word flexible. I am completely flexible and I go with the way that universe pushes me. If this is what needs the priority, then that's where I'll go. If this is where I feel, you know, sometimes I feel like speaking and I want to just lecture and that, and other times I don't want to to talk to anybody and I just want to write. And I really try to as much as I can, because that's where I think the inspiration is able to flow through you much faster. That's so great. You know, your rhythms and that you have a structure yet you can flow with whatever obstacles might come in the way of that structure. And then you go with it. Probably think that it's easy, but I feel like that takes talent. Or also self-awareness, a lot of self-awareness. It takes self-awareness and it takes practice. And it goes back again, you know, I, I, when I do my schedule and it's planned a month to three months out, even with travel, I mean, it is, there's no other way to, to, to juggle that many things. I'm still open to it all changing and I'm okay with it. And I, and I think that that's, that is like, that that's the secret. It's not, um, you know, I'm not going to get upset about the small things. I'm not going to get upset about things I can't control. And I also believe that as much as I think I know, I don't know everything. And I want to be open <laughs> to if there's an opportunity that comes that, again, I didn't plan. And it's an opportunity. I want to say yes to that because who knows what's on the other side of that. Yeah. And there's so many opportunities that are definitely coming your way that you can't even fathom right now. Because we also, we often think that whatever we perceive or see in reality at this moment is just all we know. And the goals that we set is just all we can see, all we know. Yet this lens tends to limit us in so many ways, which also sometimes paralyzes us from moving forward toward whatever our goal is, whatever our dreams are, whatever our lifestyle is, or that we dream of having. So how can we reframe what we think we know and open our eyes to greater possibilities and just welcome new opportunities like you do? Well, I'm aware that the more I know, I realize the less I know, right? Yes. (laughs) Like, well, I never knew that. And then you open your eyes. I think it's about studying spiritual things. I think it's about reading a lot. I think it's about being open that anybody and everybody has a message for you and don't assign only certain people to be the ones that you appoint as the authority of anything. I think it's just approaching life with an absolute openness and a curiosity. When you're curious about life and you're curious about things, you're going to discover and you're going to keep growing. I mean, that's the whole thing back to change junkie. You want to keep looking for what else is there? What's the opportunity? What didn't I see? You know, what's new to learn? And never just settling. You know, I don't, I mean, today, yes, I'm, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. I hope tomorrow is completely different. I hope next year I can't even recognize who I am. I mean, that's, that's the vision. I mean, that's, that's coming from a true change junkie. I love that. And also thank you for your time because I know that you honor your time and you have so much going on. So to hear this and to know you're giving your time to my listeners means a lot. No, of course. I, this is what I live for. And I, I'm so happy that, you know, I love speaking to people that are like-minded like you that are trying to make a difference in the lives of others. And I love your demographic. And I think that, you know, I have, I have a, a five-year-old, a 15-year-old, 16 and 20. And, um, oh, wow. And, you know, and I, I just think that if, if people can tap into this kind of consciousness and this kind of dialogue at a young age, I mean, it's going to make our world better, but also it's going to save them from a lot of, 
the unnecessary growing pains. I mean, we need some of them, but some of them are very unnecessary. So thank you. That I love that the unnecessary growing pains because yes, everyone's going to experience heartbreak and betrayal and sadness because it's part of the life experience. But there really is a lot of unnecessary stuff that it's nice to have people like you to prevent us from facing those. And that the heartache and the pain and the disappointment, even in that, there is a gift, there is an opportunity. Always, you have to look for it, right? You have to see it, and you have to believe that you're not meant to be in pain. You're not meant to suffer. You're meant for for the best of everything. And it goes back to the self-love thing, but it's all connected. It's all this one big circle. Mm, yes. <sighs> I'm taking that in. <laughs> Are you ready for a rapid fire? Yes. <laughs> You're like, yes, maybe. Um, yeah, it's more like a random sure. fire. And no, because uh, nobody, everybody that I interview, like nobody makes it rapid fire. Everybody elaborates. So I'm just going to call it random fire because these are random. But it's just to kind of get to know Monica's soul a bit more. Great. Early bird or night owl? Early bird. Mm, what's your morning routine like then? Um, I get up an hour before anybody else because I like absolute silence in the morning. <laughs> I don't want to speak to anybody. I make myself a very nice, big, perfect cup of coffee. And um, and I just – I sometimes journal. I get the kids' lunch ready. I look at my day, and I just prepare myself. You know, it's just me – waking up and, and being one with the world and appreciating having like a gratitude moment for waking up for having the opportunities to do even just that my body woke up and that I that it's working you know just on a very basic just start from that space mm, and yes. then I go work out for two hours and then I get to work what's your two-hour workout the Tracy Anderson method Oh, yeah. <laughs> when I lived in L.A., that was all over the place. <laughs> She's a good friend of mine. Um, I used to run marathons. And and I, I think – and it started – the running started in that way when I had anorexia. And I felt like I was always running something off and running till I felt empty and running till I didn't have any more energy. And then after a while, when I started to get healthy, I was like, well, this running thing, I'm not really enjoying it as much as I used to. And I thought, you know, what – what do kids do? What do they love to do? And they, they love to dance and to celebrate. And, you know, so it's one hour of dance cardio and you're learning different routines. And, you know, I think it's so healthy for the brain also. And um, the second hour is muscular structure and it changes every eight days. And I just, I love the challenge. It's incredibly hard and you sweat so much and you meet like, like-minded women and there's this aspect of sisterhood and coming together. And I just, all of that, I find such a great way to start the day. Plug for Tracy. I love it. <laughs> um, also, yeah, I want to. I've been wanting to try it out. So maybe after the ashram, I will. Yeah. Favorite breakfast? Coffee. Yes. <laughs> well, because I do such a vigorous workout, I can't eat um, right before. But I, I love after I work out. You know, I love eggs. Um, like a perfectly omelet with vegetables is my ideal um and also wait what kind of i know this is a weird question but just popped to my mind because i like specific coffees do you have a are you like a coffee snob do you have specific coffees that you like well coffee it has to be right i mean i'm with yeah. you but the funny <laughs> thing is this coffee that i'm absolutely obsessed with and it's so perfect because i can travel with it so even if they go out of the country like this comes everywhere with me i do not leave my house without it it's mount hagen organic coffee and it's instant okay and you, you don't understand it is I, everybody who's tried this who've come stayed with me and has had the coffee yep. in the morning and I put a little bit of vanilla silk creamer in it just a little bit mm. and it's just it's perfection 
I know exactly which one you're talking about. You don't even have to travel with it. When I was living all over Europe, it was everywhere in Europe. When I was living all over Asia, it was in many stores in Asia. Like it's all over the world. The organic mountain. I will travel with my coffee, but yes. Just in case, just in case, yeah. Ooh, meditation. What's your favorite kind of meditation? Well, funnily enough, because I do so much um, reading and studying when I feel like I'm meditating when I'm moving. And so for me... It's more when I'm exercising. I'm in such a different zone that that's when I feel closest to the creator. Like I get messages and all my problems are are solved. I find solutions. Like I'll walk out and be like, okay, that's what I'm doing. And this is how I'm doing it. Like complete sparks of inspiration. So I feel like that for me is more meditative. I mean, even now if I'm traveling and I go for a run outdoors, I can go running for miles and miles just because I feel so connected with the world. Uh, do you have by any chance a favorite crystal? No, not really. No. Who are some of your greatest influences? Um, I think everybody, to be honest, because I don't know <laughs> really. And I, I, I don't think that it's from one place or one person. I think that people, um, whether in person or book or through song, even they come through and they speak to us when we need it. Right. And, um, and it, and it lifts you along the way. I mean, yeah. I mean, I have favorite authors. And, of course, there's different people. You know, my personal life, like my father-in-law, Rob Berg, he's passed. But um, that kind of changed your life forever. Of course, there are those. Or um, she was my dear friend and a homeopath. Um, she's also passed. But there's people that come into your lives that take you from, you know, A to B. And then... I think influence comes everywhere. And often, if you're, again, if you're open to it and, and you're searching for it. Mm, that's beautiful. And you were saying authors. Who are some authors that have inspired you? I love David Foster Wallace. I like his tone and I like his outlook. Although, um, you know, he did, he's not with us either anymore. <laughs> um, Anna Quindlin, I like her book, A Short Guide to a Happy Life. Um, and then there's books on health also like I love the book lights out it talks about how important sleep is and I think that's the other thing I mean I'm always reading different things about every part of us because again it's all mind body and spirit it is it's all interconnected especially for the happiest life and most thriving life what book are you currently reading if any uh, I'm reading a few <laughs> at one time me too. I do that too well, especially if you're right you know it's you can't just um read one but Mm -hmm. the end of illness is a great book and uh, it talks about how moving the body all day is so important and even if you exercise for two hours or three hours and you sit the rest of the day you're not going to be as healthy as you'd like or as that you think and he does studies and different it's just really profound it's a great book books like that make me need to read more I mean not read more uh move more during the day because I have my daily workout but yeah I try to walk while I'm taking calls, you know, and keep moving. Define love. Yeah. <laughs> Little question. Well, I, 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 th- I don't think love is ever enough. Um, so that's interesting. I don't think that, you know, that's going to get people to the relationship. That, I mean, people can love each other and not live together, right? But I think that the concept of unconditional love is when you – 
love somebody merely because they exist, you know, and, and therefore you celebrate their essence of who they are and you share in given ways just to celebrate them. And it's really putting them, you know, you would do even more for them than you would for yourself. And I say that with the idea that you already have self-love and self-care um, for yourself, but then it's about pushing yourself above and beyond for another. That, that's love. That's unconditional love. Defying God, source, the universe. It's where we come from and it's our, um, it's in us. And, uh, and I think that, you know, what we strive to do is to constantly, and it's all, it's all encompassing, right? It's the best of everything. It's love, it's happiness, it's fulfillment. And, um, for me, connecting to that, that source is acting with those qualities and those attributes daily, or at least aspire to do so. Oh, yes. The universe gave you free billboards to share one message across the main highways in major cities all around the world. What would the billboard read? Uh, one would be consciousness is everything. Um... <laughs> you know what? What? Every single time, you're not the only one. Every single time, it's you are a free billboard to share one message, but everybody hears three, and so they'll always say three different billboards. Is that funny? <laughs> Every single one. I swear, I need to like rephrase this, but I think that's brilliant. If you have three, share three. No, I'll just stick with the one. I mean, I do have two others, but I think the the end all be all is consciousness is everything because that you know you can change your thoughts, and when you do, you change your reality. That's oh, everything. Yeah. Yeah, that is everything. So last question that I ask all the Euromagic guests, how would you advise the Euromagic listeners to create their own magic? Just wake up every day and know that you are worthwhile and you are enough. And whatever it is that you want, you can make happen once you decide. So don't save or think about that greatness is only for the people that you know, are special or, you know, they sing or the people that you look and, and you respect and you aspire to be like, know that you have that within you. You just have to seek it every single day. Oh, I love that. And to say that to yourself every single morning too, like you were talking about earlier. Absolutely. Oh, that's great. Where can everyone find you and connect with you? So I have a blog. It's called rethinklife.today. And I'm on Instagram, Monica Berg 74. Um, and my book, Fear is Not an Option, is on Amazon. So check me out. <laughs> yes. And of course, I'm going to link that in the show notes for everyone. Oh, Monica, this has been such an honor. And I'm so beyond grateful to speak with you today. You are so amazing, so wise. So thank you for your time. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed and I hope to meet you one day in person. I would love that. I'm going to the Kabbalah Center. I am. <laughs> okay, good. I'll hold you to it. <laughs> oh, you're amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Dear Yomi, thank you so much for listening and lending your ear and feel free to ping me if you had any aha moments or just anything that resonated deeply with your soul 
Perhaps you want to share it in the Your Own Magic Facebook group with over 7,000 high vibing souls to connect with from around the globe. A link to that tribe is in the show notes. Many Yomis have been meeting and networking and just connecting with new like-minded magical friends, and it's all free, of course. There is also, I don't know if you know this, but I am hosting a retreat with my dear friend and spiritual medium, Brie Melanson, in Bali this July, July 22nd through the 26th, where she will be doing a lot of channeling. <laughs> so just go to yourownmagic.life slash retreat for more info and we will be celebrating our souls with many goddess rituals and connecting with nature and meditating and powerful breath work and spiritual rituals and clearing energy blocks and of course we're going to be eating a lot of high vibe plant-based food so prepare your tummies for that (laughs) but most importantly we will be deepening connection with fellow yummies in person and tapping into our own magic Also, if you're interested in the exclusive Soul Tribe site that is full of different types of meditations and meditative imaginings to enlighten your day and self-expansion and soul expansion journalings, spiritual tools and rituals, and just so much more, that's a side service I offer for you. So just go to euromagic.life and sign up for $4.44 per month or $44.44 for a lifetime beginning this year. <laughs> so if you paid $44.44 this year already, you have it now for a lifetime. So thank you. And most importantly, thank you for just being an amazing listener and have a magical day. <laughs>